0: In the meantime, just head over to Patreon.com slash The Writer Files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's Patreon.com slash The Writer Files. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM. Greetings and welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on another tour the Habits, Habitats, and Brains of Renowned Writers. And this week, the senior culture writer for BuzzFeed News and author of the debut novel Startup, Doria Shafrier, took a few minutes to talk with me about the early days at Gawker, her highly anticipated fiction debut, and her tips for getting words onto the page. The veteran online journalist started out at the Philadelphia Weekly before taking a position at Gawker in 2006. She then went on to work as an editor and staff writer for Rolling Stone, uh, the New York Observer, and has contributed to publications including The New York Times, The New Yorker, Slate, The All, New York Magazine, The Daily Beast, and Wired. Her whipsmart debut novel is Startup, a satirical skewering of startup culture in New York City that proves there are some dilemmas that no app can solve. Vanity Fair's Nick Bilton, former tech and business columnist for The New York Times, said of the book, I was hooked from the first page and found myself lost in a beautifully written fiction that so succinctly echoes today's bizarre reality. Adori also co hosts a podcast with husband and nerdist alum, TV writer Matt Myra, titled Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, described as an unintentionally hilarious journey through the world of infertility. In part one of this file, Dory and I discuss the writer's journey from gawker content creator to buzzworthy debut novelist, how her user-generated Tumblr got her a book deal, why she doesn't own her own personal domain name, how to research and create a believable antagonist, and the challenges she faced making the shift from journo to fictionist. The Writer Files is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for authors, bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those selling physical products, digital downloads, and membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why over 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. Go to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress now. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. All right. We are rolling once again on The Writer Files podcast with a special guest, Dory Shafrir. I hope I am pronouncing that correctly.
1: Hey, you did a great job.
0: Okay, cool. I heard you on uh, Nerdist, uh, so I was uh, kind of... Uh, uh, listening for how, how they were pronouncing it so <laughs> Excellent work. <laughs> I did my homework there. So yeah uh, Dory um, is a, uh, a senior uh, or a writer for BuzzFeed, a veteran uh, journalist and has this uh, debut novel coming out that's just getting a ton of buzz startup a novel are you when you say the title of the book are you saying a novel after you say startup?
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of started. My husband and I have a podcast, and it it kind of started not kind of as a joke, because um, it sounds sort of pretentious to say "startup" a novel, <laughs> um, but it's it is on the cover of the book. It says "startup" and then it says "a novel" underneath. Um, so we just. Sort of started calling it that, and yeah. now we can't stop. So, fun, fun. Uh, but you, you don't, you don't have to use the whole official title <laughs> when you refer okay. to it. <laughs> we'll call it.
0: We'll call it startup uh, from here forward, just uh, as a uh, to listeners. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you are no stranger to the uh, podcast universe. Um, you have your own podcast with your husband. Yeah. Um, and that one is Matt and Dory's excellent adventure. Not an Easter themed <laughs> podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can give it a one, a one sentence uh, explanation. It's pretty, and it is hilarious, by the way.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so my husband and I are doing IVF, and so the podcast is about our quest to try to make a baby using science. And we've done almost thirty episodes now.
0: Wow, wow. Um yeah, it's a lot of uh a lot of laughs. I mean, for something so um interesting and, and seemingly serious. Um definitely uh my wife and I were listening to it last night and chuckling quite a bit. Oh good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'll point listeners to that one. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um but we're here to talk about writing and you uh have been a journalist for it seems quite uh, quite a while, and you are <laughs> presently a senior uh, culture writer at BuzzFeed. Absolutely. And um, but you've been you've been in a lot of different places. Looks like you've worked for Rolling Stone. I know you were at Gawker, uh, like way back in 2006. And done a lot of. I mean, you've contributed a lot of kind of high profile. Uh, places. So I'd love to um, kind of, I guess, start out by finding out where you came from, how you became this buzzy debut <laughs> novelist. I know this is not your first book either, but it is your first yeah. f- piece of you know novel fiction. So take us back um, for listeners who, who might not be familiar with kind of your journey as a writer, you know, how you got your start from, from way back in, in college days to a uh, buzzy debut novelist.
1: Yeah, so I was an English and history major in college and worked on the school paper. And I did take a fiction writing class in college, but I, I never really thought of it as my thing. I was always much more interested in journalism and creative nonfiction. And after college, my first job in journalism was at Philadelphia Weekly. Um, in Alt Weekly in Philadelphia, where I was the arts and entertainment editor. And I did that for a couple years. And then I went to Columbia Journalism School and got a master's degree in arts and culture journalism. So, mm. you know, kind of continually on the journalism uh, front here. And yeah. after journalism school, um, I actually, I, I did a couple internships. Um, I did one internship while I was in journalism school and then another internship the summer after um, at Slate and then after that i got a i got a job at gawker um in and that was in 2006 so that was you know Gawker was very edgy at the time, <laughs> and it was a very high-profile job in a certain segment of a very, a very specific slice of the world. It was a high-profile job, um, that world being New York media. So, you know, it was a good way for me to kind of get my name out. In yeah. the New York media world, so I think, in that regard, it was like very useful. It also taught me to write fast and not be precious about my writing because I really I had to produce so much stuff when I was there. yeah, and that's probably why I was there for less than a year because it, <laughs> it, it was an extremely exhausting draining job. Um, and from there, I went to the New York Observer and I was there for a couple of years. And then, in two thousand and nine, um, Of When the recession really got going, uh, they laid off about a third of the staff and I got laid off and I started freelancing and freelanced for a little while. And then in the fall of 2010, I got a job at rollingstone.com editing. And from there, I went to BuzzFeed and I've been at BuzzFeed since February of 2012.
0: Wow. Wow. Cool. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugar's podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. And uh, you had a Tumblr. um, Yeah. That became a book. And that one uh, also kind of a, uh, uh, I guess it was, what was it? Emails from people's moms.
1: Yeah, it was emails and texts from people's moms. (laughs) Um, We called it postcards from your mama, which was sort of a random name. And, uh, but it, it blew up this was in 2008 and it was really the beginning of the whole sort of user generated content <laughs> thing and tumblr had really just gotten popular and a lot of people were using it for this kind of purpose and the the tumblr just got really popular really fast and we got a book deal almost immediately wow. um and it was it Again, it was, like, very much of the time. This was actually right before the recession happened, so <laughs> our, our timing was really good in that regard. Um, but it was it was around the time that, like, I Can Has Cheeseburger yeah. got really popular and stuff white people like and passive-aggressive notes and kind of all of these blogs that were sort of of a similar ilk. Um and then our book came out a year later, and we didn't really do that much writing for it. We wrote like little intros to each chapter. My co author and I, Jessica Gross, who's now the editor in chief of Lenny Letter, mm. um, she and I arranged the chapters by theme, and we collected all these emails and texts um, on different themes and wrote little intros for each chapter.
0: Nice, nice. Um, yeah. Now I'm going to find it uh, because I don't look at those emails. Uh, It sounds funny. So, uh, yeah, okay. So, I mean, you've got this great website, uh, dorieshafrir.com, which I'll point to, which links out to a lot of your your writing, of course, the book. Um,
1: It's it's dory, I should say, it's dory-shafrir.com. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. I somehow lost (laughs) my own URL, and now some domain squatter wants, like, twenty seven hundred dollars to get it back and
0: oh, i was no. Just like no <laughs> so let's <laughs> take yes. the hyphen uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay well let's talk about this uh fantastic debut novel startup it's been called one of the most anticipated books of 2017 by um lots and lots of cool uh outlets and yeah, I mean, I, I want, I want to uh, kind of sum up what the book is about, but maybe I will let you uh, kind of give the. Uh...
1: <laughs> sure. Um, so, the book is told from three different perspectives. One of which is a twenty-eight-year-old app founder named Mac McAllister, and in a lot of ways, he's sort of a prototypical tech bro. He started this mindfulness app, and he's. He starts the book sort of seemingly on top of the world. He's he's kind of a prince of the New York tech scene. Um, but he also is in desperate need of new funding for his company, or else it is in danger of going under. Um, so he's one of the characters. There's another character named Katya Pasternak. She's 24, and she is a reporter at a website called Tech Scene that um, is all about the tech world. And she has just been told by her boss that the metric that she's going to be uh, evaluated on is changing from just straight traffic numbers to impact and engagement. And this is making her very anxious. And she feels like she needs to get a big story to kind of keep her job. Um, And the third character is a 36-year-old woman named Sabrina, Um, who is married to Katya's boss and who also happens to work for Mac. She is one of the oldest people in the office. Her boss is 26 years old. um, And her boss has also been sleeping with Mac. So everyone's lives are kind of intertwined in a way that very soon comes to a collision
0: course. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, so (laughs) it's got this satirical bent, um, kind of gets into uh, the cult of optimism, I guess, and, of course, different privacy issues and um, lots of stuff that, that we all kind of face on a daily basis, so it's very timely. You know, uh, Nick Bilton, Vanity Fair, said he was hooked from the first page and found himself lost in this beautifully written fiction that succinctly echoes today's bizarre reality in that uh, nice Kirkus review. Uh, it was called A Page-Turning Pleasure That Packs a Punch. And it's a lot of fun. I just started reading it, and I, I am hooked. Seriously, it's like— Oh, good. <laughs> it just sucked me right in. And, and of course, Great. I'm kind of laughing to myself uh, uh, <laughs> at the um, very, very uh, well-thought-out um, and, and uh, almost pointed uh, examination of uh, this world. So it's pretty cool. Um, and you're out there. You're touring um, meeting readers and, and doing that whole fun thing. So congratulations yeah. on all the buzz and, and uh, uh, press that you've gotten so far.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I want to talk about your process and kind of how yeah. you put this um, this uh, debut novel together. I know you've talked about it in some other places, but um, when you started to work on it, how much time per day were you kind of like, I know, I mean, this seems like second nature, Uh, for you, this kind of world and and talking about these folks, because you've, you've, you know, you've written about, um, you know, uh, quite a bit of culture and and tech stuff. But how did you, how did you kind of research this New York, um, you know, startup world?
1: Yeah, so, you know, it is a world that I have worked in. um, And it's also where that world that I've written about. So I was kind of familiar familiar with it um, from a couple of different perspectives. Um, But when I started working on the book, I realized that the perspective that I was the least familiar with was the perspective of Mac, the company founder. And it was really important to me to portray him, not just authentically, but also sympathetically, which was tough because he's kind of a (laughs) douchebag but you know if you if you turn him into too much of a caricature then i felt like readers would be like why why am i even reading this like what is Uh. the point um so i really wanted to make him seem three-dimensional so i uh i put on my reporter hat (laughs) and um reached out to a bunch of Um, company founders who I knew and had them reach out to people. And uh, around a dozen people were very generous with their time and just sat down with me and uh, off the record. And I just kind of asked them questions about what their lives were like and the issues that they faced, the struggles that they faced, what they felt people didn't understand about being a company founder, Mm -hmm. um, what what their day-to-day was like, all that kind of stuff. And that was super helpful in terms of just sort of like getting inside of mac's head
0: that's cool all right well i mean you, you haven't i mean it seems like f- fiction was kind of a, a switching um of the brain for you to kind of do do that but it, but it is so well wrought um how did you make that sh- shift uh or what maybe what spurred you to make that shift into fiction
1: When I started working on the book, uh, I'm now a full-time writer at BuzzFeed News. But at the time, I was editing and managing. I wasn't really writing at all. And I decided that I needed my own own special project that was separate from BuzzFeed. And I went into it with zero expectations. I I said, you know what? I'm going to write for a month. I'm going to write every day. And I'm just going to kind of see what happens. Yeah. And at the, you know, the very least it'll just be like a good exercise and a way for me to sort of dislodge some of, <laughs> some of those things in my brain that haven't really been used for a while. Sure. Um, but as I started writing, I realized that I didn't really want to write about myself. Um, and it seemed exciting to try to make something up, um, and as I kept going, it not only felt exciting; it felt really liberating. Mm. Um, you know, I've been a journalist for like 13 years, and yeah. that that life is you know you you have to pay such close attention to accuracy and the facts, and you know a story is what you discover, um, you can't change the outcome of a story. You can't change what people say. You can't change what people think. You certainly can't change what people have done. Um, and so to kind of suddenly be in control of all of that in a piece of my own writing was extremely exciting to me and liberating. Um, so I was able to sort of like go on that for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and then i realized after after a little while i realized that i was really enjoying sort of creating characters and creating their worlds but that the plot wasn't really going anywhere um, <laughs> and i was like oh yes plot <laughs> the actual story i must think about that um and i and i knew i actually knew the broad strokes of the plot from pretty early on um But I realized that I didn't exactly know how to get from point A to point B. And that was really the challenge that took me quite some time to overcome. I rewrote the first 100 pages probably like 20 times. Wow. um, Because I just, like, it just felt like I wasn't getting it right. And that if the foundation, if the opening of the book wasn't totally solid, then then what came after was just going to be bad. (laughs) Um, So.
0: (laughs) Well, I I think what I found interesting about the story of you writing it was that you had tried to go to somewhere um, quiet, off the beaten path, uh, as writers often do at, you know, like writers retreats, but that you found solace and your most productive kind of place was somewhere noisy.
1: Yeah, well... Yeah. So, uh, to, to be more specific, um, I, I had this like romantic notion of what a fiction writer does. And in my head that was like, go to a remote cabin somewhere and isolate yourself for weeks and just sort of revel in, um, solitude. (laughs) Right. Um, and I tried that and I, not only did I get super lonely, but I also, I was not that productive. Yeah. Like I found the solitude to be overwhelming. Um, And so when I was at the very end of my book, um, like we're talking maybe three weeks before it was due. And I thought, oh crap, like <laughs> I need to finish this. And I should also say that it, from like from the very beginning there was never a question in my mind that i that about turning it in on time like i had no interest in asking for an extension or turning it in late like i you know maybe that's like the journalist in me but i I was just like i must turn this it was due on june 1st and i was like i am turning this in on june 1st no matter what um so i took I was talking to a friend of mine, another novelist, and she, and I was like, you know, I'm thinking maybe I'll go to like Palm Springs for a few days. I live in Los Angeles. It's not that far. And she was like, what about Vegas? I was like, (laughs) you know, it's actually not the worst idea because you can get a really nice hotel room for not that much money. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I've gone to Vegas a bunch. It's not that far. And so I was like, huh, let me look into that. And then it turned out that that the week I was going to go, I... I got like a huge room at the cosmopolitan hotel for <laughs> really cheap. And for, so I stayed there for four nights and I was super productive. And I think that the combination of having like this, the hotel room itself was super quiet and mm. it was like a refuge. Yeah. But then I was able to go downstairs and like play blackjack and unplug do, and- Yeah, exactly. And also be around people, which I had been missing at the other places.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, Right.
1: And and I I had my most productive week there. So
0: that's cool. That's cool. All right. Well, for a a journalist who's been working beats forever and uh, now a fictionist, um, have you ever run up against writer's block? Is that something uh, you believe in or is it a myth?
1: oh, I think writer's block is totally real.
0: Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm and you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.